0: Welcome, everybody, to VHS Glow, where today, myself, MJ, Darcy, Katie, and Joe are going to talk about Romeo plus Juliet, (laughs) the 1996 romantic tragedy film that was directed, co-produced, and co-written by Baz Luhrmann. It is an adaptation of William Shakespeare's tragedy, Romeo and Juliet, in true 90s fashion. The film stars Leonardo DiCaprio and... And Claire Danes, who fall in love despite being from rival families. The film presents this ecstasy of jump cuts, gratuitous titles, drag scenes, 90s music, and over-the-top party montages, as well as this odd obsession with water and fishes. It culminates in these tremendous fight scenes between the Montagues and the Capulets, and of course, does not skint on the tragedy so this is a true 90s entry into the Shakespeare adaptation genre to be followed up with strangely Shakespeare in love somehow we got from Romeo plus Juliet to Shakespeare in love the latter this subdued blasé melange of Blanis is in some ways just a reaction to the -the over-the-top fantasy high camp of Romeo and Juliet here but this will always be in my mind the true 90s Shakespeare movie with that mangled truly Romeo plus Juliet-esque introduction to this film (laughs) let the discussion begin joe what are your thoughts on romeo and julia or plus Juliet? how <laughs> does one say this title anyway
1: i like the way you're saying it plus so i'm gonna vote for romeo plus Juliet actually i'm not sure if i have many thoughts to be honest <laughs> my memories are of katie watching it i didn't really watch it myself when i was younger i saw snippets it was one of those things where i saw it aggregated i saw it the whole movie just seeing snippets of it multiple times added up into a whole
2: are you saying that i watched this one we didn't own this
1: you and your friends watched it at the house or something
2: because i don't recall owning this one or anything i definitely saw it no. a bunch of times get sleepovers and in the theater but i don't think we had this one
1: mm, i don't think we had it no but maybe we rented it or maybe i saw it at melissa's house or something
2: yeah it's probable
1: it was on in the background a bunch i don't think we watched it with mom and dad and i didn't watch it on my own and then I think I watched it all the way through when I was in college or something. And yeah, so that's my memories of it.
3: You probably weren't as interested because it was only PG-13. You were really into trying <laughs> to get into those R movies yeah. at the time. It <laughs> yeah, wasn't truly. Caligula, so I don't know, past.
1: Truly, yeah. That was like a mistiming thing with me for the Leo Claire Danes thing.
3: But what about the Paul Rudd thing?
1: <laughs> I forgot he was even in this. He was so young.
3: This is when he actually was the age that he has looked ever since
1: then. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> that's true he
3: does look he was frozen
2: in amber just all these years it was this movie
3: <laughs> i think it's 26 sounds about right one year after clueless at the time i knew him as the clueless guy i was gonna ask katie what her memory of watching romeo plus juliet
2: i have I never called it romeo up. plus juliet before but Me neither <laughs> never never
3: it does look like
2: something you'd carve in a tree or some wet cement i guess so i think <laughs> My experience with Romeo and Juliet was different just because I was probably the precise demographic that they were aggressively marketing to. It was very much derided at the time as only for the MTV generation. And it was targeting teenage girls. And at the point it came out, I was mm-hmm. 13. Everyone in my friend group definitely watched it multiple times. I definitely saw it in the theater at least a couple times. Definitely was a mainstay of either somebody had the tape or DVDs thing then they were weren't they the 90s yeah
3: they were like coming out they were coming out
2: yeah I feel like I remember a VHS tape I think one of my friends Danielle owned it but then other than that it was in the theaters or somebody would be like oh let's rent it for the sleepover it had a soundtrack that was really pervasive it even came out with a second volume two that wasn't even songs in the movie itself it was just extended marketing for teenagers to have bangers by Garbage and Radiohead and all of those 90s mans. It was everywhere. But you know, I'm a Keanu Reeves man. I'm not a Leo guy. So I didn't have it from that perspective. It was way more the air that we breathe rather than I was seeking it out necessarily. Darcy, what about you?
3: That would have been when I was a sophomore in high school. And I don't vividly recall the first time I saw it. But it was definitely one I know I've seen many times. So I probably saw that in the theaters. I'm guessing I saw it with my soccer friends. That was my Jack year. That's where I tried out for soccer. one year. I didn't think I'd make the team. I just did it. And apparently everyone made the team. So I was on that team for a good year. He did very well. (laughs) I watched mainly from the bench, but that's okay. But I think that's when I saw Romeo plus Juliet. Really, what I remember more than anything is that soundtrack. I definitely had that on CD and listened to it obsessively for a while. So I was motivated after we watched this to go work out and i put on my romeo plus juliet playlist and i didn't finish my workout because i'm an adult and can make choices for myself now based on my mood (laughs) but it was really good for our first few songs really enjoyed working out to angel that was before i came out that's where i was like well I have crushes on lots of people, but secretly, probably mainly Claire Danes. (laughs) So that was a little bit of like secret crushing on Claire Danes during that time. And Paul Rudd, that was the beginning of a lifelong crush, but I didn't know where that was going to take me. That was just the beginning. But this was definitely in the top five movies of my high school era. This would be in that list as far as just being memorable and present
0: my relationship with this movie is it came out in 96 and I was first year in college in 96 and so I think that I saw this once in the theaters college in 96 was weird in that I didn't really have a tv there wasn't dvd players computers were very clunky I didn't own a laptop or anything like that and you couldn't really play videos on computers at all and so outside of watching in the theaters I just couldn't really watch this film much I think we watched it maybe once or twice dorm rooms and it was really the music that I fell in love with. I did really enjoy the juxtaposition of the dialogue that's very classic Shakespeare with the different presentations of it. 1996, MJ really did think it was super cool that they had the narrators be TV announcers and have those framing scenes. They actually set up a city environment that was very modern with skyscrapers for Montague and Capulet. They introduced characters with title sequences, After so many amazing (laughs) choreographed movies from the 90s and on, the fight scenes look a little cheesy today, but at the time they were kind of a revelation as far as Shakespeare went because you're used to seeing swords and then all of a sudden somebody pulls out a gun and the gun says, sword on it. And you're like, that's so cool and edgy. Yeah, all right. I really, at the time, thought that the movie was fresh, hot, new take on Shakespeare for the MTV generation of which I was absolutely (laughs) one of the members. But at the same time, I only saw it twice because it just fell in an awkward time. And I just love the soundtrack though. I don't know what people feel about Love Fool, but I adore that song. It is such a cool pop song. It does so many clever musical tricks and I can listen to it on repeat forever and then it sent me down the little cardigans rabbit hole. None of their other output is very similar to Love Fool. Their album First Band on the Moon, honestly, I don't think is their best album anyway. I love the cardigans. I love that radio song Exit Music for a Film, which appeared on OK for Computer the next year. Two of my favorite bands came out of this soundtrack that I hadn't really listened to before. Honestly, if you just think of this movie as one extended music video, you can't go wrong. That honestly feels like what the film's true vehicle is. So I I loved this movie, again, for the way that it sent me down different directions. And also, I loved Claire Danes. Like, I liked her in My So-Called Life, which only had, I think, two seasons or something like that on MTV. It's kind of sad to me that she hasn't had the career that Leo has had or other people. And I mean, a lot of people knock on Claire Danes, but to
2: me, she was an important figure because she was in some important media. She was a teenager. She was 15 or whatever when they filmed this in My So-Called called Life. It was really interesting to see the movie actually use teenage actors, even if they were aged up a couple years from Shakespeare, because Juliet is canonically 13, that's fucked up. That's fucked up.
0: But I mean, you're right, she looks so young in this, looking back on it, what, 25 years later, basically. The movie was over the top and crazy, but it did resonate with me at the time. Now, in hindsight, watching it, it was a little hard to get into <laughs> this time
2: as an adult. <laughs> you don't love those smash cuts, all that rap.
0: Yeah, all of the smash cuts, the jump cuts, the titles. I'm like, all right, this feels played out, honestly. And maybe it's because it feels super cliche now. Maybe that's why it seemed really powerful then. Maybe it's an instance of this is a movie that embraced all of that. Even a movie like Starship Troopers, which also revels in self-knowing perspective, seems like it has a certain kinship with this movie as well. And maybe it's because this was one of the first movies that really was like, like, I'm gonna play to this MTV music video audience. A lot of the movies that had this ironic self knowing perspective winking at the audience came after it. And maybe that's why it feels super played out now.
2: Robocop was also a Verhoeven who directed Starship Troopers. And if we watched Robocop together for this very podcast, we did. and yeah. do you remember the fake commercials and stuff in that one? Yes. So you could see inklings of it.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. It does feel like there is a little yeah. through line from Verhoeven. RoboCop to some of the tropes in Romeo and Juliet to them Starship Troopers.
2: I agree with you that this style was a hallmark of late 90s and early 2000s cinema to have that music video feel. David Fincher does this a lot.
0: Who did being John Malkovich? Because he started out in music videos, I Spike
2: believe. Spike Right? Spike Jones. I just feel like there's this specific editing style that came from music videos that then they used later, particularly in thrillers, like another David Fincher that I think of as Seven which if you watch it now the titles and the editing is just very late 90s when it was happening I didn't know that that was a style but now from the year 2022 going back and watching these movies I'm like holy shit very late 90s some of
0: it it's the cuts but it's also these set pieces that are laden with the symbolism
3: magnolia what about magnolia when you said symbolism I was just thinking of all the symbolism in that entire movie and how there were these long scenes that were music videos I remember rewinding and going through them and being like there. the number from the Bible. That's a Bible verse. Uh, Finding all of these
0: hidden references. That's common with a music video because you can communicate so much in one shot. American Beauty is sort of like this as well where there's this emphasis on the bag, that video within a video or the rose itself and its fading beauty. I can imagine that scene in American Beauty where that guy is lifting weights in his garage. Mm. That could also be from a music video as well. It does feel like that's a hallmark that You take some static shot, fill it with a bunch of resonant imagery, and then you just do one after the other, after the other, after the other, until it's just saturated. That to me feels very music video, then they're like, well, this works for films too. Let's do this.
3: So can we go over Roger Ebert's review of Romeo plus Juliet? Did anyone read that? No. (laughs) Well, I just saw that he only gave it two out of four stars, which first of all, I didn't even think that's how he rated movies. So I need to go back and double check that because I thought he was a thumbs up or a thumbs down kind of guy. I know it was a bad review. He compared it to a bunch of Shakespeare adaptations in film, which I just don't feel like was entirely fair because I feel like that misses the point. Yes, clearly it's a Shakespeare film adaptation. I don't feel like that was a fair comparison because that's not what it was trying to do. It wasn't trying to be authentic to this lineage of Shakespeare and film. It was trying to appeal to a very target audience, the MTV generation. It was doing this music video thing. It was supposed to be modern and fun. I feel like he just completely missed it. And that upsets me because his reviews did carry a lot of weight at the time. Nowadays I don't think that they would have had nearly as much impact but we didn't have the internet then. I feel like this movie deserved a little bit more credit than it actually got at the time. I saw that it only got one nomination for Academy Awards in something like film editing.
2: Well, there was a lot of that. It was plentiful voluminous editing. Which great voluminous editing. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but
3: when are we going to get the
0: Snyder cut? God,
2: five
0: hours long about,
3: I guess. Well, nowadays, we're not even going to have that be honored at the Academy Awards because they're only showing actors and actresses, apparently. Is that what's happening? They're not going to air all the people that are actually getting awards for the craft of filmmaking. This is true and sad (laughs) for this year. This is a cult classic for a very specific age group, but I think it deserves a little bit more respect for the artistry that went into it at the time and the technology that was available. Well, so what did Roger Ebert say about the movie? Something along the lines of it being a mess of a film. It's not that what he said wasn't true. It's that he just missed everything that I think was unique and groundbreaking with this movie. And he was just comparing it to old films.
2: He said that Lee and Claire were in over their head. There was too much. Everyone was yelling. It's a very boomery.
3: <laughs> he needed to recognize it wasn't for him. This is actually
2: very typical of reviews at the time. Adults hated Romeo and
3: Juliet. Exactly. They were so mad yeah. that it wasn't the Zephyrelli version because it didn't <laughs> cater to them. This is like this year's Super Bowl where it was people within a very specific age group loved it. And anyone who was older and anyone who's was younger was just like, this was the worst Super Bowl halftime show ever. <laughs> I feel like Romeo plus Juliet is the film equivalent of that. <laughs> this microgeneration is all like, yes, this is one of our favorites. And everyone else was like, that's a hot mess of a film. Good Lord. Roger Ebert's
0: review is very okay, Boomer. He criticizes the way that Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio actually recite the dialogue, which does feel like it misses the point in casting these very young actors who haven't had the experience yet to learn the proper cadences or rhythms or anything like that. That it's very purposeful that they sound clumsy and naive because they are clumsy and naive.
3: They were awkward with their iambic pentameter. They were,
0: right. Yes. <laughs> Just like a teenager. They were be. awkward with their iambic pentameter. <laughs> They did not quite nail it. And some of the dialogue is incomprehensible and shouted. And some of the riffs. I feel like teenage boys
2: shout
3: about shit. I knew what was happening. How did you all give your little Shakespeare soliloquies in English class? Because I was not elegant. I, I was not it. elegant, no. <laughs> but they did a better job than I did.
0: Some of the dialogue in its attempt to shout comes across as cringe and funny. The whole, I bite my thumb at you. Do you bite your <laughs> thumb at me? Yes, I bite
3: my thumb at you, sir.
1: And it's
2: like, okay.
0: Okay, but you okay, know what?
3: Wow. Shakespeare Harsh. wasn't necessarily like we revere him now. During his time period, a lot of this stuff was meant for the common people, the common folks, and was more lighthearted and approachable. I actually feel like this film, in some ways, is a little more authentic. It's more modern, and it's far removed from a lot of our experiences with Shakespeare because we have romanticized it so much, and we view it as this high art. This was campy. This was cheesy. This was geared towards junior high and high school kids. Who we're having a heck of a lot of drama in their lives.
0: Yeah, that's right. This peels back some of the pretense and the quote-unquote artistry that is attached to Shakespeare and is like, yeah, we can do smash cuts and jump cuts and we can have guns. Do you see that? Guns in Shakespeare. We can dress up like a character in drag and we can do all of these music video-esque stylistic choices and it's still Shakespeare. OMFG.
3: If Shakespeare were alive today, do you think that Shakespeare would be part of some sort of... you know? How in the 80s and 90s, all of our movies we like to group people into these categories like jocks, nerds, just these five categories of types of students.
0: The freaks and geeks.
3: I feel that Shakespeare would have been in the realm of punk, which is what he was criticized for by Eber. He was an artist. He was trying to challenge. He called it punk? Are you saying,
0: Katie, that that was not a punk it was movie? was not punk.
2: Ooh, interesting. There were too many product times for it to be punk. He called the music. I think, punk. It was also not punk music. No,
3: but he meant it punk as skateboarder, beach bro. If he called that
0: music punk, that misses the point. It's dismissive. It's dismissive, but also Garbage is a band assembled by music executives. You have Butch Vig, who's part of Garbage, who's a music A-lister at the time. The Cardigans got big on a pop song, and they were apparently freaked out that they got big off of that specific song (laughs) because it is so not like their typical sound. What is their typical sound? Their typical sound is pop, intricate lyrics and melodies. What was interesting about Love Fool is that it's got this electronic hook. It's kind of a very sophisticated pop song that does a lot of key changes and modulations and things like that.
2: A common story is that the single does not wind up being representative of the band, but it typecasts them and stuff. But yeah, it was really a slickly marketed movie that was the popular music of the time. I think Radiohead holds up. I feel like you're either into Radiohead or you're just like what the fuck I'm not the most hardcore fan but there's nothing like sad boy moaning over walls of sound for me so (laughs) I'm always gonna ride or die for Radiohead it was the popular music of the time it was just a really good marketing campaign because in the late 80s they realized that they could market to teenage girls again I don't know if Shakespeare if he lived in modern day if he would have been down with that because he was commercially successful during his time I kind of picture him as maybe being being like a James Gunn figure where he directs and stuff, but also makes a lot of <laughs> dick jokes and inappropriate shit posting. I feel like Shakespeare would shitpost if he was alive today. Yeah.
3: If Shakespeare was a film director in the 90s that we grew up with, do you think he would have been canceled by now? Do you think we would have had to burn yet another idol, our William Shakespeare from 1999? Canceled for what? Anything. We've just had to cancel so many. Do you feel like William would have become like another Joss Whedon? They don't stake canceled, though. They're all involved in all the projects. Well, I just mean amongst ourselves, not the industry. Yeah,
2: canceled in your heart.
0: Canceled is such a weird term now that I feel has been appropriated in almost this negative way that we're reacting to people unfairly. Let's just say would he have done some shit that's fucked up. Would he have been like Harvey Weinstein and harassed and, you know, intimidated a bunch of women? Would he have done the Louis C.K. exposed himself? Would he have done the Joss Whedon and been a tyrant on set and been a complete asshole to his young female cast members would he have done some fucked up shit I hope not but also feel like you put people in positions of power and sometimes they feel like they can get away with it for a long time and people aren't going to call them on it maybe he would do some fucked up shit and that I hope that if he did and we knew about it that we would call him out for it I would call
2: Shakespeare I out. would call him out
0: <laughs> yeah like if he did that stuff sorry dude the way that that term now is being used is that it's this reaction of powerful people to being like, oh, don't call us out for doing this stuff. You can't cancel us. I will always reserve the right to (laughs) call people out when they fuck up or maybe call them in.
3: Anyone can be dead to me. Okay, so you know the costume ball scene in the movie where everyone's dressed up as what they represent? So you had Juliet as the angel, you had Romeo as a knight. I want to play the game. What would your costume be? And I haven't even premeditated this, so I don't even have an answer for myself. But I'm going to throw this over to Joe and just put Joe on the spot first. Joe, do you know if we were having a Shakespeare era, 1990s costume ball, what would your costume probably have been?
1: I probably would have been a convict with with an orange jumpsuit and a white t-shirt. Is
3: that what you really were at the time where you were a convict?
1: <laughs> when I was 11.
3: Sneaking in into all those r movies, you were kind of bad.
1: No, I was. Yeah. No, I wasn't at all. I think that that fits the era. We're presuming we're going to this in like the mid-90s, right?
3: Mid-90s and you're definitely trying to impress whoever it is that you're trying to impress. <laughs> Without our understanding
2: of prison
3: systems. What about you, Katie? What do you think your costume would be?
2: Oh, if it represents me now, I would have been... Probably- a raccoon little grabby paws (laughs) likes to eat trash that's adorable getting into mischief (laughs) sociable I feel like that would be me now if I was going to literally any costume party in 1996 I would have probably just worn a slutty outfit and then had wings I would be a dark fairy that was my thing I was just wearing kind of my (laughs) my slutty
3: Goth clothes but I added wings to it so it was a costume (laughs) that's how I dressed in the mid to late 90s did you stop that though why why did you ditch that if that's how you were happy? Maybe you are. I mean, I don't really know how you were regularly dressing, to be honest, but... I'm not wearing
2: anything to dress up. I didn't feel like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and I don't I don't feel like I'm seeing you with wings, but I guess I never asked. I think I stopped dressing
2: up for Halloween. I had one party as an adult. It's my lifestyle, man. I live the Halloween life every yeah. day. But yeah, that was my costume. What about you,
0: MJ? I'd probably go as some kind of fortune teller. Ooh, or something nice. like that just to read people their dark fates paul red you're an astronaut but your spaceship <laughs> is going to crash
2: stylistically <laughs> if you were in the movie though dark fate would just be knuckle tattoos to keep with the aesthetic
0: exactly a spiked choker on it would say dark fate and i would have a leather jacket with some cards the back piece is a couple of tarot cards as the back patch and the cards would just be a pair of jokers or something maybe the jesters <laughs> if people asked me for their fortune i just punch them in the face
3: I I am definitely inviting you to my Halloween party, because that'll be amazing.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, now what about you, Darcy? What's your costume?
3: Well, I could see myself have done one of two things. I think that was the beginning of my Ani DeFranco infatuation. So I could have seen myself going for the folk singer, just got my dad's guitar and gated up a little bit. Or I probably would have gone with the jack Katie, what's the name of you texted me that I have the energy of what's the actress who plays Tank Girl?
2: Lori Patty. Your aura is
3: similar to hers. <laughs> oh, yes. So I I feel like maybe I would have done a League of Their Own mm-hmm. Lori Penny would have style her. costume. And then I would have been like, oh, Paul Rudd's cute. I should try and flirt with him. And he'd be like, you're clearly a lesbian. And then <laughs> and he'd I would be like, like, no, I am but let too. me go talk to Claire. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the Lori Petty, I think their own outfit's the most likely scenario.
2: There would be such a scene if you were in this movie. Uh, you were in front of Leo, so you think Claire Danes is noticing you and you're so crestfallen when she's really
3: into Leo. I'm looking through the oh other side of the aquarium.
2: Yes. <laughs> she's looking at me. Or you're just honestly as oh no. her because you're gender segregated. So you would just be, hey. You'd be trying to talk to her as she's naked, heavy eye contact. With Leo, I <laughs> But then, if this is the
0: 90s lesbian romance, Darcy, I'm afraid you have to die. It's okay. It's worth it for love. But I was also going to say, Darcy, maybe you are also a Navy SEAL. Aren't you G.I.J.? <laughs>
3: okay, that was honestly my first thought. <laughs> Be GI Janeing it, but I didn't want to admit it. You know me too well. I was just embarrassed to embrace the military. You
0: were embarrassed to embrace that? You would be sneaking into Juliet's balcony, be like,
2: SummerSoul, <laughs> <somewhere laughs> into the room.
3: And I'd like repel down and my head would definitely be shaved. Leo would be like, Juliet. He'd be like, I'm on the balcony, bitch.
2: Want to see me
0: do pull ups?
3: You all know me too well.
0: <laughs> Fuck Mary Kill, Paul Rudd. Romeo or Juliet? Joe, would you like to go first?
1: Mary... Claire Danes, fuck Paul Rudd, kill Leo.
3: I feel like Leo's not going to fare very well.
1: (laughs) What about you, Katie?
3: Kill Leo. Fuck Claire
2: Danes, marry Paul Rudd. MJ.
0: For me, Joe nailed it.
1: (laughs) We Um, always agree.
0: Fuck Paul Rudd, marry Juliet Claire Danes. And I'm sorry, Leo, but you have to
3: die. (laughs) (laughs) Darcy, what about you? Leo's definitely dead. Thoroughly dead. Thoroughly dead. I'm more with Katie on this one. I would fuck Claire Danes. I mean Juliet, and would marry Paul Rudd's character. I'm blinking on his characters, Paris. But marry Paul Rudd, Paris, not Mike Dexter. <laughs> Paul Rudd would just be a cute husband to have. I'd be totally down with marriage material with him. It would be a sexless marriage. I'm sorry, Paul. You can do whatever you want on the side. That's fine. That sounds perfect. you both get to fuck other women? Leo sucks. <laughs> Yeah, if there's two people we hate on this podcast, it is Leonardo DiCaprio and <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Would you have watched this if it was Leo and Gwyneth as Juliet?
2: And I pushed them both
0: into a vat of
2: goop. A vat of goop.
1: That's going to be a no for me. <laughs> I
2: did watch Shakespeare in Love and that had Gwyneth Paltrow.
3: That was her. You're right. Yeah. I've never been able to make it through that
2: And movie. the lefts are finds. Thank
0: you, everybody, for tuning in to this conversation about Romeo and Juliet. Romeo plus Juliet. Opinions are still divided on how that movie should be pronounced. (laughs) You have joined MJ, Darcy, Katie, and Joe for another rant-filled conversation. Please follow us on Instagram at VHS underscore glow or on Twitter, same handle, and catch us next time for our next fun conversation about movies that have been meaningful in our lives. Catch y'all
2: later. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Goodbye.